Welcome to The Power Within Her. On this podcast, we're all about seeking self-empowerment to live a life that makes us excited. My name's Megan. I'm a nerdy and super enthusiastic writer and professor with a PhD in English. Together, we'll get intentional by embracing the power of critical thinking and personal growth to achieve those dreams on our hearts. Let's break free of societal expectations, create new stories that serve us, and have some fun with the process of growing into the type of women who embrace the incredible power and potential within ourselves. Are you excited? Let's do this. Hello, happy Tuesday. Welcome back to another episode. As always, I am so excited that you're here, and I also hope that you are somewhere in the world that is so much warmer than where I'm at right now. We have those phrases that flash across your weather app that's like, dangerous wind chill and don't go outside and all this stuff. So wherever you're at, I hope it's warmer, and if you're not, we're in it together. Despite the freezing weather outside where I'm at in Iowa, I am ready to bring the fire with today's topic, which is do your best. I am so fortunate to have had parents and role models and teachers and coaches in my life who really truly believed in that phrase. And as a kid who was type A and go gettery <laughs> when it came to sports and school and just life in general, it was such an important phrase and philosophy to remember because it helped me to realize that I didn't have to be perfect and it helped me to worry about myself and not so much about other people and what they were doing. And I know that as go-getter women, a lot of us do struggle with perfectionist tendencies and comparison. So that philosophy of do your best can be really great because it reminds us to let go of those perfectionist tendencies and to stop comparing ourselves to other people. I also truly believe that this philosophy of do your best is a great philosophy in general because there is so much that we cannot control in our lives, but the one thing we can control is ourselves. So for example, I was a swimmer when I was a kid, so I swam from like 10 years old or something like that all the way through to my junior year of college. And so one of the ways that this philosophy of do your best manifested in my sports life was through phrases like this. My coach or my parents would say, you have no control over the pool temperature, so just do your best. And just as a side note, for swimmers, competitive swimmers, the colder the water, the better. So if you were swimming in a pool that was a much hotter temperature, like 78, 80 degrees, oh, it was just awful. No big deal because you have no control over that. So just do your best. The same could be applied with races. You have no control over who you race against in the 500, in my case, the 500 freestyle. So just do your best, which always translated in my mind into your race doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't matter what the girl is doing in the lane next to you. You just focus on you and you do the very best that you can. And so I know that I've just talked about do your best a lot in terms of sports, but it truly can be applied and transferred over into any area of our lives. It can help us with our jobs in general. It can help us with specific tasks in our jobs, like a presentation maybe, or a lesson you have to teach if you're like me and you're a professor, you're an educator. And even though I'm not a parent yet and I would never ever tell anybody how to parent, I can just see for myself and maybe for you too, that this philosophy of do your best could really help with parenting, particularly with women who do struggle with comparison and those perfectionist tendencies. Sometimes I like to visualize myself as a mom and this philosophy of do your best really brings me a lot of solace because I will try to be that perfect mother and I know that that's not possible. 
So my point is this philosophy of do your best can seriously be applied to and transferred over into so many different areas of our lives, big and small. But what's really interesting about this phrase or this philosophy of doing your best is that it actually can be really, really slippery. So in other words, I think there's actually no one particular way to define it. I think it really depends on the person and it depends on the context. However, when I did some research on the phrase, do your best, I found that it was actually popularly defined and conceptualized in a couple of different ways. So I would look at a couple different articles, see what they all said about it, and it kind of boils down to three different things. Number one, it's based on 100% effort. Number two, never giving up. And number three, being committed. And I don't know about you, but to me, 100% effort and never giving up and being committed, all of those things are super loaded phrases too. So we have to do some interpreting, which I love to do, and really dig into these phrases and what they mean. So for me, the way I interpret these little mini phrases would be expending all of your effort and your energy. Anything less than 100% is not good enough and that you cannot take breaks or pause or let up on the gas at all. Now, I know that there's a lot of room for interpretation, and these are just my interpretations of these words and phrases, but I just cannot help but to feel as though this definition of doing your best is more on par with perfection. And it's even setting yourself up to fail and to tell yourself terrible stories if you cannot give that 100% effort and energy. And so this is one of the things that I love about words, but it can also be so frustrating at the same time. Words are tricky and they can actually end up becoming problematic if we take them at face value and we don't think about the other potential meanings implicit within the word or the phrase or the thing that you're digging into, especially when that word or phrase like do your best is so complex. So for example, let's dig into that phrase 100% effort and energy. To me, at face value, it means you're all in doing the thing, whatever that thing happens to be, and that there's nothing left in the tank, like mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever it is, and that you can have no excuses because you have to go 100%. It's 100% or bust. But then for me, I start to wonder, well, is it really possible to give 100% all the time? Or does that 100% look different depending on the situation? And finally, does 100% have to be that same 100% every single time? Think about it. If we give 100% in that just face value, surface level spirit, then there's going to be nothing left ever. We would be so burnt out emotionally, mentally, and physically. So that 100% is going to have to look different depending on the situation and so many contextual factors. And I think as a society, we have normalized going ham and we've normalized being an empty, exhausted shell and pouring from an empty cup is just how it is. And truly, if you are at this lightning speed of go, go, go all the time with no rest and no breaks, you could burn out or you could even get hurt depending on the activity that it is, or you could be filled with resentment. And all because that 100% all-in philosophy, which is equated with doing your best, is an impossible freaking standard to live by. And we are so conditioned to believe that 100% effort all of the time means that we are doing our best and we are doing ourselves all kinds of favors by push, push, pushing and just being relentless in our pursuit of the goal. 
And don't get me wrong, I am all for relentless pursuit of the goal, but not at the sacrifice of your body and your mental health. So to demonstrate the toxicity of this particular definition and conceptualization of doing your best, I want to dive into a personal story. In the fall of 2020, I was getting up every single day, Monday through Friday, to write at 4 a.m. And after a long time of trying to figure out what I wanted to do to fulfill myself and to pour into myself, which I talked about in the very first episode of this podcast, I decided to listen to that intuition inside me that said, Megan, you want to write a book, so you're going to go do it. And so I decided consciously to make a very real commitment to writing that novel. And to me, it was going to be, okay, you're going to write every single day, but you have to get up at 4 a.m. to make it happen. Even though I am a couple of years removed from grad school, I still have that ingrained in me, that sort of conditioning to be thinking and writing every single day for hours at a time. So of course I thought, yeah, this is how I'm going to make time to actually write this novel, to, to write it and revise it and get it out into the world. And honestly, truly, that getting up every day and having that quiet time when Roger was still asleep, my husband, and I would get up and I'd sit at the desk and I would just write, 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 and it worked so well for a while. And I was like, yes, I'm doing it. I feel so freaking proud of myself because for so long, I had ignored that desire to write and I was making the time and the space in my busy life to do it. So a couple of months go by and I'm making really good forward progress on this book. I am never taking a day off. I am showing up every day to write, writing like 700 to 1500 words a day. And I would tell myself, yes, Megan, you're making it happen. You're doing such a great job. It doesn't matter if you went to bed at 11 o'clock last night or you couldn't fall asleep till 1230. You got up and you did it and you pushed and I'm so proud of you. It's okay that you fell asleep a little later and still got up at four to push to get this done. Everybody's tired. Don't worry about it. And then one day (laughs) that started to become almost every day. I was having trouble falling asleep and yet I would still get up in the morning with eyes that just stung with tiredness and a brain that was just so foggy, my production level in my word count started to go down a lot. And I didn't recognize it right away, but I listened to somebody else's podcast talking about burnout and it hit me right in the face. I was burning out. I could not perform at the level I was performing at with everything else I had going on in my life, with my teaching load and other stuff going on. I could not handle the definition of doing your best in the sense of that 100% effort, no excuses mentality. And it started to hurt me more than anything. I was drinking so much caffeine, it could probably have killed a moose, And I was skipping workouts and I was so stressed out. My face was breaking out. I was exhausted, not sleeping, not being able to stay asleep. Like I said, my brain was foggy and I just felt that constant stress and strain of that white hot gripping in my shoulders. And let me tell you, it was not my dream of writing the novel that was hurting me. It was that 100% effort mentality that I associated with doing my best that was mentally and physically draining me. And as I reflect back on it now, honestly, I was not having fun with the process of writing the book either. I'd get up every morning feeling like crap and just thinking, nope, nope, you got to push. You don't want to be weak. You have to push through. And I'd sit down to write and I'd just feel like, oh, like I don't want to do this. This is such a chore. And how unbelievably sad and honestly tragic is it to have your dream, the thing you have wanted to do ever since you were a little girl, to feel like a burden. 
So right now, are you nodding along? Or maybe you're covering your mouth in just disbelief. Or maybe you're even tearing up. Regardless, I am not trying to bring you down or bum you out, but just simply to ask some questions and tell a story to make you think. Because it took me months to realize that I was burning myself up because I was subscribing to a philosophy that was contributing to my burnout. And as go-getter women, I would be willing to bet that you are resonating with this. And if you are, I want you to know that you are not alone. Because in addition to the fact that going ham and being 100% all in all the time is normalized, the other thing that we normalize and the other part of this is the fact that even though we're miserable and we know in our gut and in our heart that the frequency that we're going at is just going to burn us out eventually, we push down those feelings of resistance or those feelings of good doubt where we're like, oh, something's got to change, but no, 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 we're going to ignore it and push it down. We're conditioned to do that and then to tell ourselves stories to justify continuing to function at this level that is just not sustainable. So we tell ourselves things like, oh, we're weak, we're pathetic, you're being ridiculous. If I don't keep this up, I'm never going to do it. I'm never going to succeed or get there. We also tell ourselves that we're not driven enough or we're not cut out for whatever the thing that we're doing, right? So many ugly stories come out of the woodwork that are just not serving us and it creates this negative mindset. And so eventually I got to a point where I had to listen to that good doubt in my head that said, something's not right. I've got to make a change. And I did. I decided to take a break from writing, an extended break. And so I finished out the fall 2020 semester just focusing on my classes and I did some shorter academic writing projects. And I got back to my creative writing, working on my novel, The Thing I Want to Do So Badly, in January of 2021, when I had enough time and distance from the project and gave myself enough time to heal, if you will, from that burnout and from that mentality, the carryover from that mentality of doing your 100% best all the time. And that time and distance is what allowed me to see that that definition of 100% effort as my best was not working for me. So I had to find a way forward that was more individual and contextual for me and my life and my circumstances. And I ultimately was able to find a much more sustainable writing practice that fits who I am now and where I am now in my life. And honestly, one that's so much more fun. So instead of writing every day at 4 a.m., I write twice a week, once on Saturdays for an extended period of time, like three, four hours or so, and I write on Wednesday nights for like an hour. And let me tell you, it was hard to do that at first because I come from that grad school background, even though I'm, you know, several years removed from grad school, that grad school background that says every day you got to write for hours at a time. So going down to two days a week and only writing for like three hours tops at a time was so weird for me, but it fit my life so much better. And it took a long time and honestly still taking some time for me to accept that. But here's the thing, to get to that writing practice, and it's a writing practice for me, right? For you, it might be different. But for me, to get to that writing practice that's fun and sustainable and fits my life, I had to abandon that super toxic, 100% effort means I'm doing my best mentality. And because of our go ham culture, we often lock into a system or lock into a routine or a habit, and we don't move, we don't budge, because we saw somebody else do it and it works for them. 
And we forget two really crucial facts. One, we are not that person. We have different contexts, different circumstances. And number two, we can adjust and adapt. And that is not a crime. And so my point is this, because I feel like I'm getting really passionate kind of all over the place. But my point is this. We have to normalize how okay and amazing and honestly completely genius it is to individualize the idea of what doing your best means. Doing your best is seriously about you and only you. It is not about your friend or a parent or society or that random awesome girl that you met on Instagram. It's not about any of those people. It is about you and only you can set up a criteria so that you know that you're doing your best with whatever the task or the thing or the goal happens to be. And I truly believe that this is something you can do with every area of your life because the criteria for doing your best is going to change depending on what the task is. So my criteria for doing my best with writing someday is not going to be the same criteria I use for when I'm a parent. So ultimately doing your best and the criteria in which you use to determine what your best is, is going to be super contextual and based on you and the set of circumstances that you're in. So even though the criteria for doing your best is determined by you, I do want to share what's been working for me. And by no means does it mean that I'm right or that you should copy me. I simply just want to share to show you what I've come up with in terms of criteria so that you can then start to think about your own. And after really sitting with it and digging deep and really thinking critically about it, for me, doing your best boils down into three key points. So number one is energy and effort. And the question I ask myself is this, what am I capable of in this moment? So the energy and the effort that I have to pour into my writing on a Wednesday night might not match that energy and the effort I have on Saturday. But if I get honest and I check in with myself about my energy levels, I can then decide what my best looks like. So for example, if I've got a wicked headache on a Wednesday after a full day of teaching, I might not write, or I might just read what I wrote and add in a couple extra words, you know, or just like revise on a sentence level. But if I have crazy energy, I'm gonna be like, yes, I'm gonna write a ton because I have no reason not to. And then if my energy levels are always low, I know that I probably have a problem that I need to dig into. It might be that I'm not getting enough sleep or there's a problem with my motivation and that needs to be reflected on or thought about in a little bit more depth to get to the core reason or the core root of why. And I will be 100% honest, even if I am well rested and I had a great day and all of my energy is there, sometimes I just don't feel like it. So I make a bargain with myself. I say, okay, you're going to set a timer for 15 minutes and you're just going to start to write and you're going to see how it feels. And sometimes it starts off so sluggish and so slow. And I'm like, just like, I don't want to do this. But then after a while, the sort of the flow starts flowing and I'm feeling it and I'm like, yeah, and I can get myself into a space to write. But you have to really pay attention to your mind and your body and your energy levels and how you're feeling. And that does take some time. And I've honestly gotten really good at trying to figure out, okay, is this a energy problem? Is this a Megan needs to take a break and a day off from writing, even if it is a writing day? Or is Megan just being a little bit lazy? So it's a fine dance and there's a fine balance there. Number two is all about focus and integrity. So 
I think I've mentioned before that I'm an Enneagram one. So integrity is a really important core value of mine. So I ask myself questions like, did I commit to doing this thing? And in my case, it's writing. Did I commit to doing it right? Or did I cut corners? Was I fully focused and present? So if it's during my writing time on a Wednesday night or a Saturday morning, if I'm writing and I'm on my phone, then I'm not present. I am not doing the task right. I'm not doing my best if I'm distracted like that. Or if I know that I'm just feeling lazy and instead I'm just on my phone every two seconds and I write like a word and then I'm back on my phone, again, I know that I'm not present and I'm cutting corners. Technically, I'm adding a couple words into it and I am writing, but that's not my best. I am so not doing my best when I'm distracted and giving in to that laziness when I literally have all the energy to do it. And the third and final thing is preparation. So this is honestly a thing and a question I ask myself much later in the process. It's kind of actually after I've achieved the goal. So I would constantly think about this at a swim meet. So it's like, okay, did I do everything in my power to prepare throughout the season? Did I get my sleep? Did I go to practices? Did I put you know my energy and effort into practice? And for me and in my mind, if you can honestly say, yes, I did do all of those things that I needed to do in order to do my best, if you honestly prepared, then you can revel in it. You can feel confident in the knowledge that you did everything in your power to do your best and that should make you feel great. And I think that you can do this on a daily level, but for me, I do it more so later on in the process. So when eventually I finally finish my novel and I'm about to submit it and get it out there, I can sit with it and say, did I do everything that I could within my willpower? Did I do my best? And if I can say yes, then that is a huge victory. Because at that point, it's now out of my hands and I can just enjoy whatever comes next. So again, I don't want you to copy my criteria for how I define doing my best because we are all individual people with a specific set of circumstances that we're living in and it's going to depend differently on the task and all of those types of things. Instead, I'm just sharing them to show how important that individualism aspect of defining the criteria for doing your best is for yourself. So to recap, society is going to tell us that doing our best means 100% in, no excuses, go, go, go. But you and I know that the only person who can decide what doing your best means is you, not society, not your family, not your friends, not a random stranger on Instagram. Nobody can tell you what doing your best is but you. They might have an opinion that can provide you with perspective, but you are the one to determine the criteria for what doing your best means. And I'm sure that some of you are thinking, but Megan, what if my best isn't good enough? And here's what I want to say about that. Sometimes our best might not seem like it's good enough, but that's just another one of those BS stories that we tell ourselves. Because the truth is this. We might not always win or get that award or get that book deal or get that job, but it does not mean that your best wasn't enough. Instead, what if we reframe that? What if we tell ourselves a better story? Instead, what if we said it could mean that there's something better out there for us or it's an opportunity to grow and to keep going because someone does want your book. Someone does want to hire you. It's going to happen if you keep showing up and doing the very best that you can. 
And so I want to end this episode with a quote from a book called The Four Agreements. And there's a chapter in there called Always Do Your Best. And the quote goes like this. Keep doing your best, no more and no less than your best. If you try too hard to do more than your best, you will spend more energy than is needed. And at the end, your best will not be enough. When you overdo, you deplete your body and go against yourself, and it will take you longer to accomplish your goal. But if you do less than your best, you subject yourself to frustrations, self-judgment, guilt, and regrets. I love this quote, and to me, it means keep showing up, keep doing your best, and there is no way that you can lose. You are rocking it. I am so freaking proud of you, and I want you to go out there and keep doing your best in a way that feels true and authentic to you. I hope you have an amazing rest of your Tuesday and I will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something valuable, I would love it if you could either share it on social media and tag me or share the episode with a friend who you think would love it too. Either way, I am so honored that you're helping me spread the important message about women's self-empowerment. 